The focus of the second out of the three parochim of Maseches Makas discusses the punishment of Golos, of going to exile to one of the particular cities which were designated for this purpose in a case where somebody killed another person unintentionally. Beshoigeg, it was by mistake. And we already introduced in the first mission of the Perak that there is a concept known as Shoigeg Korov Le'oines, when the murder is committed unintentionally and it's close to being considered a total accident. And in that case, the person who killed would be exempt from going to Golos. And there's also another concept known as Shoge Korov Lemezid, where it was done unintentionally, but it's close to being considered intentional and done on purpose because it's due to negligence. He should have been much more careful. And in that case, he also would not go to Golos because the going to Golos is considered an atonement for killing by mistake. If he killed due to a certain degree of negligence and not being careful, then going to Golos is not enough of an atonement. In that case, his crime would be too severe and he would also not go to Golos. Only if it's considered a Shoge Gomor, it's considered to be unintentional, but not totally out of his control, only then would he go to Golos. Says the Mishnah, one who throws a stone into a public area, into a public domain, and the Gemara explains we're talking about a case where he does this during the daytime, and it is an area where people would commonly go there to excuse themselves during the nighttime, but during the daytime, barely anyone would be there. So if in the daytime he throws a stone towards there, people are very uncommonly there during the day. However, he still needs to be careful to a certain degree. It's definitely not considered to be a total accident if he throws a stone there, the horag, and it kills somebody, and therefore this would be an example of a shoge gomor. It fits in the category of a murder committed by mistake, and Harry Zagoyle, such a person would go to Golos. He would need to go to exile in one of these cities. So says, If after the stone left this person's hand, he threw the stone, and before it landed, the other person put out his head in the line of fire, the Kibla, and his head received the impact of the stone being thrown, and he was killed by the stone. Harry Potter, the person who threw the stone, would be exempt in this case. And the Gemara learns, learns that of a Posuk, which says if somebody causes something to fly and it lands on somebody else and kills him, then he would go to Golos. And the Posuk implies that it has to be due to his throw, due to what he did, that he was the one who threw it at the other person. But if the other person who was killed, he moved himself towards the line of fire and that's why he was killed, in that case it is learned from the Posuk that the one who threw it would be exempt. Zorgas Evan if somebody throws a stone in his own courtyard, his own domain, the Horag and it killed somebody who was there. If the person who was injured and killed had permission to enter into that area, into that house, into that courtyard, then Gaila, the person who threw the stone, the owner of the courtyard, would go to Golos. He needed to be more careful. Before throwing a stone there, he has to check if there's somebody there. There are other people who are allowed to be there. The Imlav. But if not, if the other person did not have permission to be there, even though it could be that in terms of how intentional or unintentional this is, it would be considered to be a shoge gomor. It would come under the category of being by mistake and for which he should go to Golos. Nevertheless, says the Mishnah, Eina Gole would not go to Golos in this case. And it's learned from a posuk, Shnema, as the posuk says, Vashayovyas Ehu Bayar. The Torah gives an example where somebody comes towards his friend in a forest. 
And he kills him by mistake over there. Well, what's the idea of a forest? So the Mishnah explains. Just like a forest is an area where both the person who killed, who injured, and the person who was injured, the victim of the murder, they both have permission to enter that area. That is when the punishment of God would apply. That excludes a case where the murder took place in the murderer's own courtyard. Where the person who was injured does not have permission to enter there. Now that same posse continues and says that somebody enters into a forest, eatsim to chop wood. Why is the Torah giving this example specifically? Abashol Abashol explains Mochatovas Just like cutting wood is an optional act, there's no obligation or mitzvah involved in doing that. We learn from there that it excludes Yotza, it excludes any case where the person killed someone whilst doing a mitzvah. For example, a father who is hitting his son in order to educate him and to make sure that he keeps the Torah, so he's got full permission and it's a mitzvah of him to do so. Or a teacher, a rebbe who causes his student to suffer a little bit in order to educate him, or the messenger of a beistin, the one who gives lashes when somebody is liable to the punishment of Malchus, the one who gives him lashes, as long as he doesn't give any more than he is supposed to, if the person ends up dying as a result of it, he would not be liable to go to Golas because this was involved in a mitzvah. And that is learnt from the Pasuk. Mishnah Gimel, a father can go to Golas due to killing his son, and this would be in a case not like in the previous Mishnah, where he was educating his son, but if he did it in a different way, where it wasn't part of the education, then he would go to Golas, and a son who by mistake killed his father would also need to go to Golas. Even though I might have thought that it's more severe, there's even a death penalty for somebody who hits his father by on purpose. But since over here it's done unintentionally, the same regular punishment of Golos would apply. Hakol going like the Israel, anybody can go to Golos and is liable to go to Golos if he kills another fully-fledged Jew by mistake. This is coming to include a Evid Kanani, a non-Jewish slave. The truth is, even though we're calling him a non-Jewish slave, he's really considered to be half-Jewish. He has to keep all of the mitzvahs which a woman has to keep. He has many of the laws of a Jew. And such a person who killed by mistake would also be liable to go to Golos. And a Jew would be liable to go to Golos if he killed by mistake a Evid Kanani. This also comes to include a Kusi. The Kusim were a nation who converted en masse to become Jewish, and there was a large debate throughout the times of the Mishnah whether their conversion was valid or not, whether it was sincere or not. But as it may, this Mishnah is of the opinion that they are considered to be Jews, and therefore the regular laws of Golos would apply. A Jew would need to go to Golos, except if he kills a Ger Toishov by mistake. What is a Ger Toishov? This is a non-Jew who is not converted to become Jewish, however, he has accepted upon himself and he does observe the seven mitzvahs in Noyach, even though in general non-Jews are not allowed to remain in Eretz Yisrael, living among the Jews when they have the land in their hands. However, Gerotoshov can, as long as they accept the seven, the seven mitzvahs in Noyach, these seven mitzvahs, they are allowed to live among the Jews. And if somebody kills them, they would not be liable to Golos, because since at the end of the day they are not Jewish, and the Posuk says that if somebody kills Re'ehu, his friend, which Dafka, which specifically applies to a, another, another Jew, only then would the punishment of Golos apply. It should be noted that although our version of the Mishnah says which implies that we're talking about a case where a Jew kills Gertoshov, the Gemara's version of the Mishnah seems to be the opposite, that we're talking about a case where the Gertoshov 
kills a Jew, and the Mishnah is coming to tell us that in that case, the Gertoshov would not go to Golos, but rather he would be killed. He'd be liable to the death penalty, because that is the punishment for somebody who violates one of the Sheva Mitzvahs for Noyach. But yeah, as it may, the Mishnah continues, the Gertoshov in the Gertoshov, a Gertoshov would only go to Golos if he kills another Gertoshov. If he kills a non-Jew, he'll be exempt. But if he kills another Gertoshov, who is a non-Jew who has accepted upon himself the Sheva Mitzvah Noyach, then it's learned from Pesukim that the punishment of Golos applies to such a person as well. Continues the Mishnah, has Suma, somebody who is blind and he cannot see. If he kills somebody by mistake, in a Gola, he does not go to Golos, because the Torah says that if somebody kills by mistake, below your ice, without seeing, he goes to Golos. That implies we're talking about somebody who can see, he has the ability to see. Just in this case where he killed somebody by mistake, he didn't manage to see. If so, then somebody who can never see would be excluded from the punishment of Golos. Give Rabbi Yehuda, according to Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Goyle. However, Rabbi Meir um, is of the opinion that he would be liable to the punishment of Golos. And Rabbi Meir also learns this out of Pesukim. Hasoyne, somebody who hates another person. In Masech Sanhedrin, we saw the definition for this is somebody who hasn't spoken with the other person for at least three days due to their hatred or their bad feelings towards each other. And if he kills the person who he supposedly hates, if he kills him by mistake, Enogole, he would not go to Golos since there is an assumption made that it was not totally by mistake and this was more like Shoege Korovlamezid. It was done unintentionally, but it's due to not being so careful, and it's not really a coincidence that he ended up killing the person who he dislikes. Rabbi Yehuda, Bar Yehuda says, if somebody kills the, uh, the person who he dislikes, who he hates, Nerog, he is killed by Bastin, he's liable to the death penalty. Because he's considered to be like somebody who is already warned not to kill another person. In general, in order for somebody to receive a death penalty, he has to receive hasra'a, warning from other witnesses. And this person didn't receive any warning. He wasn't told that if you kill this person, you'll receive such a punishment. Nevertheless, according to Beis by Yehuda, the whole reason why in general we need to give warning to somebody before killing him is only so that we know that he certainly did it on purpose. So he say, you know that if you do that, you're going to be punished in this way. And he says, yes, I know it and I'm still doing it. So then we can see that he's doing it intentionally. Says Beis by Yehuda, in this case where the guy hates the other person, it's quite obvious that he did it on purpose. And therefore, even without being warned beforehand and showing that he did it on purpose, the fact that he hates him is already an indication that he killed him intentionally. And therefore, as long as there are witnesses, even if, he didn't, if they did not give him warning, he would receive the death penalty for murdering the other person. Rabbi Shimon, Omer Rabbi Shimon says, Yesh yesh There's a case where, where a hater would go to Golos if he kills the person who he hates, and there, are, there is a case, there are cases where he would not go to Golos. Zakhlov, this is the rule. Any case where we are able to say that he killed him intentionally, if we have that as an option, then we assume that, that is, that's what happened, and therefore Enogole would not go to Golos because he's assumed to have done it intentionally. However, if we know for sure that it was done by mistake, then he would go to Golos. There are certain cases where we can be sure that it was not done on purpose, and therefore in such cases, he would still go to Golos for having killed somebody by mistake. Now the mission discusses the Orimiklot themselves, these cities where the person who killed would run to, and as soon as he enters the city, he is saved. Until he enters the city, a direct relative of the person who he killed is actually allowed to kill him. Only once he arrives at the city, once he's entered the city, now it's forbidden for anybody to kill him. And the Mishnah says, the To where would they go to Golos? Where, where are these cities? They would be exiled to these 
cities of refuge, and there were six of them in total. The Sholish of Eva Yardain, there were three of them on the other side of the Yardain, where two and a half of the Shavotim, the tribes, lived, Ruvain, God, and half of Shevet Menashe. And there were three other cities inside Eretz Israel itself. Shinema, as the Pesach says, The three cities you should place and designate on the other side of the Yardain. And the three cities you should place and designate in Eretz Israel. And it's interesting. Inside Eretz Canaan, Eretz Israel, there were nine and a half Shavatim, nine and a half tribes. On, in Eva Yardin, there were only two and a half. And yet there were equal number of cities in Eretz Canaan as there were in Eva Yardin. What's going on over here? So the Gemara explains that murder by mistake was more common in Eva Yardin. And so they needed more of these cities, interestingly. Now, says the Mishnah, actually, until the three Ori Miklot were chosen inside of Eretz Israel before the Jewish people arrived in Eretz Israel and had conquered these cities and were able to, to designate them as Ori Miklot, the three cities in Evahayardain, which they already had, did not function and serve the purpose of saving the person who killed from the victim's relative killing him. The Ori Miklot only took into effect once the three cities in Eretz Yisrael were conquered and designated as Ori Miklot. Shinema, as the Pesach says, Sheish Ori Miklot Tiyeno. They will be six Ori Miklot, six of these cities of refuge. And we learn from there that they only work and function as their purpose if all six of them do that together. But until all six of them were able to serve as that, for that purpose, none of the Ori Miklot were used. The roads were directed from other cities towards the Ori Miklat. As the Pesach says, You shall prepare for yourself the road and split into three, meaning make the distance between each of the Ori Miklat equal. And the point is, it has to be made as easy as possible for somebody who had killed by mistake to be able to reach one of these Ori Miklot and to be saved by being there, by, re- by arriving there. Before arriving there, the relative of the person who he killed is allowed to kill him. So the roads need to be cleared, they need to be main roads with signposts going from every single city to the nearest Ori Miklot. Now we're going to learn in the next Mishnah that after the person who killed arrives at an Ori Miklot, the Bastin would then bring him to the Bastin. They would take him out of the Eremiklot, bring him to a Bastin. And if they judge that he is indeed liable to go to an Eremiklot because he killed by mistake, then he would need to run back to the Eremiklot. However, in this case, since he already arrived there and Bastin are the ones who took him out there, and now they said that he needs to go back, in this situation, the Bastin would help him in order to avoid the relative of the person who was killed killing this person. What would they do? The Bastin would give this person two Tamid Chachomim to escort him to the Eremiklot, in case the relative of the person who was killed will try to kill him on the way. So the two Tamid Chachomim will speak to him and try to convince him not to kill this person. Reb Meir, Reb Meir says, He's even able to speak for himself, and according to Reb Meir, he should speak for himself. There's no need for two other Tamil Chachamim to escort him. Rather, he should run himself and try to persuade the other person himself. He doesn't need these two other people to do that for him. Shinema, as the Pesach says, And this is the matter of the murderer, but the word Dvar can also mean a word. So we would translate the Pesach to mean this is the word of the murderer. And it's coming to teach us that the murderer himself has a word. He's the one who should speak on his own behalf. 
and there is no need to give him to other people who can speak on his behalf.